1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. What do y'all say we reenact this today? Let's reenact it. All right. I need an army of mean, bad Philistines. Who wants to be in the Philistine army? Kids and adults. Come on. I need some. I need y'all over here. The Philistines. Come over here. Ah, come on. Be good sports. We know you're going to lose. Just do it anyway. It's just for fun. Come on. Come on. We need more Philistines. Come on, some of you grown-ups. Come help your pastor out. Get up here. Come on. There you go. We need Philistines. Come on. We need a few more. Yeah, come on. Come on. Oh, we need more than that. Come on. Come on. Give me a few more. Give me three more. Who will be? Three more Philistines. There's one. She's, she probably needs to be a Philistine. Who else? <laughs> I need two more. Two more Philistines. There's one, two. All right, we actually got four. See, God always gives you more. By the way, y'all know how much money we raised so far for the Pregnancy Resource Center? $880. Isn't that awesome? Every dollar goes towards saving a life. All right, now we need the Israelite army. I want some Israelite soldiers. Come on over here. Get over here. You're up on this hill. Yeah, everybody wants to win. Yeah, we know what the deal is with that. All right, come on. Let's get a few more. Come on, let's get a few more. Come on, you grown-ups. Don't be sticks in the mud. Come on, help your pastor out. All right, anybody else want to get up here and be a part of this reenactment today? This is the great life point Battle of the Philistine and Israelites reenactment. All right, anybody else? I know. I'm not done. Now, verse, this is 1 Samuel 17. Verse, hmm. If I put my glasses on, I could read it. I think it's two. I'm not sure. Four. Four. I can see five after that. You laugh. It's going to happen to you too. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. A champion named Goliath. Where's Dave? Come on. And King David's over here going, hmm, good relations with the woogies I have. <laughs> A champion named Goliath who was from Gath. Everybody say Gath. Yeah. Do, you, do you have Gath? No, I'm teasing. Came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Some people say that was between nine and 13 feet. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale of armor and bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was swung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's 25 pounds, I think. Uh, his shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Philistines, why do you come up and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to fight me. So Goliath challenged the armies of Israel in the best way you know how. <laughs> you got to shout. You got to say stuff. Put him on. Put him on. 
Go over there. <laughs> You're getting ahead of my script. Go back. Eager, eager beaver there. If he is able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. All right. Philistines, shout a challenge to the Israelites, all of you together. Israelites, tell them you're not afraid. Come on. Oh, that was, oh, boy. That's, uh, I know you got Goliath out here, but you got to have more spunk than that. Come on, tell them you're not afraid. The problem was, the problem was, they were lying. <laughs> It's easy to say, I'm a bad man. It's tougher to walk out there and fight long shanks, you know. <laughs> then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight. <laughs> Go back. You're running ahead of the story. On hearing the Philistines' words, King Saul and all the, all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Okay, y'all got to be terrified now. Anybody got some pineapple we can put on that ham over there? Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. In Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. And it goes on to talk about this. And for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now, if you go on down in the story, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him, of course, now Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger and said, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down just to watch the battle. Anytime you decide to do something for God, there is always going to be a hater. There's always going to be a naysayer. There's always going to be a troll. There's always going to be one of these people who tries to undermine your faith. You know why? Because they don't want you making them look bad. They don't do it. They don't have the courage. They don't think if they don't do it, who are you to do it? There's some things you need to rethink, man. Somebody says, I, 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 know, I know why you're really doing that. They're judging your heart. You can't judge what you don't know. Somebody says, well, it's never been done before. Tell that to the person who's doing it. Somebody says, you'll never succeed. You'll never make it. You're never going to be able to do it. In your flesh, you might not. But if God is with you, what's impossible? Nothing's impossible. That's right. Now, what have I done? Can I even speak? And he goes over to King Saul and says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. I will go and fight him. Say, I will go and fight him. I'll fight him. There you go. But David said to Saul, Saul's replied, you're not able, you can't do it. You're not able to go out against this Philistine. You're a young man, and he's been a warrior from youth, so you can't do it. What does David say? David says, I've been keeping your, 
He's from my father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. David is killing lions and bears. When it turned on me, give us a flex. When it turned on me, there you go. I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. He's talking about personal hand-to-hand combat with lions and bears. All he's missing is tigers. Oh, my. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, say it, and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of Longshanks. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now, Saul tried to put his own armor on David. But David said, I can't go in this because I'm not used to it. Now, listen to me. This is important. God didn't call you to be somebody else. There, listen, look, look at your hand. Everybody, just look at your hand. Indulge me. There's never been a hand exactly like that in the history of the world. Since Adam, there's never been a hand exactly like yours. What do you mean, Pastor? We all have five fingers and a, and a palm. Yeah, but all of them are unique. There has never been another you, and there'll never be another you. Think about that. You are singular, you are unique, and I believe all of us are irreplaceable in God's eyes. There's never going to be another you. So there may be people in your life that you could reach for God that nobody else could reach. There may be battles that God calls you to fight. To save a whole nation that nobody else could fight but you. Think about that. There was nobody else in the whole nation of Israel willing to do this. Think about that. David was the only one. You're the man. The only one. Don't sweat it when you feel like you're alone. Sometimes that's right when God's getting ready to do something great in your life. Don't sweat it when you don't have any help. You got help. His name is God. Don't worry about it when you feel like you're less than. You can't do it. You're too small. You're never too small with God. And he knows exactly where you are and what he wants you to do. Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Give us a smile and glow with, glow with health. Look at there. Can you, can you glow? Are you glowing? Glow. Look at there. He's glowing. Goliath said to David, Am I a dog? Did you come at me with sticks, boy? Come here. I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. This day, the Lord my God will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. All right, now, guys, we've got to have some cheering for, the, for, our, for our champions now. So you Philistines have got to cheer for Goliath. So on the count of three, and all you that want to be background Philistines, you've got to help these guys. I want it to be loud. Let's bust out the light bulbs with this, okay? You've got to cheer for your champion. On the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three. Hey! 
All right, Israel, keep keep going, keep going. Israel, you you chant for David on the count of three. One, two, three. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, David, get out your sling. Give it a whirl. Let it go. Whack. Enter stuntman. <laughs> That's why there's no 50-year-old stuntman right there. You just, you just saw it in action. <laughs> All right, now you've got to go over there and pull his sword. Now go around the other side. Go around, take his sword out of his sheath. There you go. Now you've got to whack off his head. All right, Philistines, you've got to go. Oh, no! Cheer, cheer, come on, cheer. Oh, no. All right, now look, what happens? You know what happens next? You know what happens next? The Philistines run and the Israelites chase them. So y'all better go. Don't really run, just walk fast. Chase them, Israelites. Chase them. Chase them. All right, come on. Let's give these guys a big round of applause. I just want to share a few brief thoughts with you about this fantastic story in the Bible. And one of those thoughts is all giants aren't the same. You ever notice that? We all face giants, but not all giants are the same. You folks that were up here and all you folks that sat in your seats, listen to me for a few minutes. I'm going to keep this short. We're all going to face giants in our lives, every one of us, but not all of them are going to look like Dave Varney. <laughs> They're not all going to be flesh and blood. Some giants we face we can't even see. Some of them are just here in our heads. Some of them show up at school. Those kids at school that, that are trying to tempt you to do things you know displease God, those are kind of like Goliaths in your life. They show up for grown-ups at work, those people at work that spread rumors about you and lie about you and take credit for your work and slander you. That, that's a kind of Goliath in your life. Sometimes things happen to us, and it sticks in our mind. Sometimes things happen to us when we're young, and we spend our whole lives trying to get over it. And we never really succeed at that unless God helps us. And those fears of something that happened to us when we were little, those, those nightmares, those stories, those events, that the th time you got embarrassed, the time you tried to do something and failed and somebody made fun of you, the time somebody mocked you for being a Christian, if we let it, those things can become giants inside our heads. So not all giants are the same. They show up from different places. And I'm going to tell you something. No matter how spiritual you get, there'll always be another giant to come your way. The good news is they can come from anywhere. And the, and the second thing, the third thing is we can even create giants in our own minds. And this is where it gets dangerous. We can create giants ourselves. Let me, let me ask you this question. Have you ever thought... I could never be as smart as so-and-so. 
you're creating a giant. Have you ever thought, I'm afraid of the dark? You're creating a giant in your mind. Have you ever thought, I'm not as pretty as so-and-so. I'm not as handsome as so-and-so. I'm not as strong. I'm not as fast. Those are giants that you're creating in your own head. I don't know if anybody else has done this. You kids might have done this. When I was a little boy, and I don't know why I did this, but when I was a little boy, once in a while, it didn't happen all the time, but once in a while, I'd get up out of my bed to go to the restroom in the middle of the night, and I'd just get totally disoriented in my room. Has anybody else ever done that? And I'm like, oh, my God, where am I? And it was, I mean, dark as puke in my bedroom. And I'm, I'm just trying to feel along the walls, and nothing felt familiar. It's like, what's this? What is that? What's that? You know, and I'm, try, you know, I'm just trying to find the light switch. If I can get to the light switch, you know. One night I wound up in my closet. I'm like, okay, okay, clothes. Where, where's clothes? Closet. And then I kindly knew, and I went around the dresser, and I cut on my light. It's like nothing was where I thought it was. This happened to me a couple of times as an adult. <laughs> It's funny to get up in the middle of the night and you feel like a mime, you know. You curl your toes up under your feet so you won't grab your little toe and wang it on a piece of furniture. It's like, oh, my God, and just slide along real careful. I put my arms out and I try to feel stuff. It's a terrible thing. Fear. That, that movie, that scary movie that you watched when you were a kid, it can become a thing, a giant in your mind. But I want to tell you something. I've got some good news for you. God is bigger and stronger than any giant you're ever going to face. Can you get that? God is bigger and stronger than any giant any of us are ever going to face. Think about that. So if God is for you, who can be against you? David was a little, little boy. Goliath was a seasoned warrior. Didn't didn't affect David. You know why? David knew he wasn't as strong as Goliath. He knew that. He knew he wasn't as experienced as Goliath. He knew that. But what he knew that Goliath didn't, Goliath had his faith in things and in his own skill. He said, David said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. The difference between David and Goliath was what they put their faith in. Goliath had his faith in his own self and in his tools. David, who didn't have a sword, who didn't have a spear, who didn't have a javelin, but his faith was not in himself, and it was not in the, even in the sling and the stones. He didn't say, you, you, he, notice what David didn't say. He didn't say, yeah, you got all that sword wear over there, but you have no idea how good I am with this sling. He didn't say that. You know, in the old, the old days, you used a flint and steel, a rock and a piece of steel to make fire. A lot of people are under the impression that it's the rock that's sparking, but it's not. The rock, a piece of flint, is actually on the Rockwell scale harder than the steel. So when you hit the steel with the flint, it's tiny pieces of iron that are coming off the steel and igniting into sparks. It's not the rock that's sparking, it's the steel. So David could have said, my rock is harder than your steel. He didn't say that. He'd have been right, but it wasn't what his faith was in. 
He didn't go to Goliath and say, I've killed lions and I've killed bears and I've been on the backside of the desert living in the wilderness and surviving on my own for years. You don't scare me. He didn't do any of that. He said the one thing he needed to say right. He said, you come against me with all your skill and experience and your weapons, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Think about that because that's where David's faith was, in God. So we, can, we can't always defeat giants on our own. We need help. We can't always defeat giants on our own. We need help. The minute you think that you're smart enough, or you're strong enough, or you're skilled enough, or you're rich enough, or you've got the right equipment and tools to go out and defeat giants, the minute we start thinking that, that's the minute we get into pride and self-awareness and self-aggrandizement, and that's when we fail. The minute we understand I need help to slay some of the giants in my life. And I can assure you, you do. The minute we start putting our faith in God, the giants in our lives start getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Have you noticed that? The next thing I want you to know is this. Even when no one else will help, God will always be with you if you love and serve him. The whole army of Israel was terrified of this big giant. All of them were terrified of Goliath. They were afraid, and all of them were seasoned warriors. You know what I wonder? Now, David was a little boy, but I wonder what an impact this David's actions might have had on the 30 mighty men like Eleazar and Benaiah and Shammah. You know, later on, Benaiah went down in a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Benaiah faced a giant Egyptian man, and all Benaiah had was a club, and the Egyptian man had a spear. And Benaiah snatched the spear from the Egyptian and killed him with his own spear. Eleazar killed 800 men in one battle. I wonder if those young men were somewhere watching King David, who wasn't king yet, or if they heard about the stories when David got back. Because they were probably close to David's same age. Those young men heard what David did, and I guarantee you it inspired them. You see, when, when you take a stand against the giants in your life, it doesn't just encourage you and build you up. It inspires everybody who sees it and everybody who hears about it. And I'm going to tell you something. Now listen to me. There are moments in all of our lives where we have opportunities. And some of those moments only come once in a lifetime. This moment for David was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. David could either stand up for all Israel. He could either stand up, walk out there all by himself and face the giant, or he could be just like everybody else. Now listen to me, people. Listen to your pastor. Following the crowd is seldom the best decision. Learn what it means to stand on your own two feet. Be your own man or woman. Step out there with what God's given you. Don't try to be Saul. Don't try to use somebody else's skill. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't try to wear Saul's armor. That's a counterfeit for you. It might have worked for Saul, but it's not working for you. You use what God's given you, and what God gave David was a sling and some stones. Now, you may be thinking, why does that make any sense? You may be looking at what God's given you, your talents, your skills, your abilities, and you may be thinking, I can't do anything. I can't sing, I can't dance, I don't play anything, I'm not a very good speaker, I'm, 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 I'm not very 
handsome or beautiful or, or any of them not coordinated. I can't play sports. All I can do is just go work. Listen, it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. If you will understand this one thing, what God has given you, if it's only a leather pouch with two strings on it and a rock, if you let God use that, he can use that to catapult you to somewhere fantastic you never even dreamed of going. You would imagine that King David would have ascended to the throne of Israel by the use of a bow or a sword or a lance, but a sling and a rock? Who does that? The man who trusts in God. That's who does it. Even when no one else will help, God will be with you if... And this is the big thing. This is the big thing. If we love and serve him. The most important word in that whole sentence is if. Because if we don't serve and love God, he's under no obligation to be with us and help us. If. If. I want to close with this. With Jesus on our side, we can conquer every giant we'll ever face. I could have said it this way. With us on Jesus' side. We can conquer every giant we'll ever face. Now, Dave, I want you to come, Goliath, and grab your big guitar. <laughs> I want you to play softly. And as we, as we close, I want, to, I want to tell you something, and I want you to hear me. I want you to listen. <clears throat> as you go through life, a lot of pathways present themselves before you. A lot of opportunities, a lot of decisions. We all have to deal with stuff. And it's easy for us in this busy world to start looking at church as a slice of the pie of our lives. Imagine a, a pie chart on a computer screen, and it's divided up. And this much is for work, and this much over here is for leisure, and this much over here is for family time, and this much over here is for time off when you're sick and this much over here is for home projects and you get the idea you 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 slice up the pie chart on the computer screen inside your head and there's a little slice somewhere on it i hope for church that's not the right way to look at that the right way to look at that is over the pie chart write the words this all belongs to god because it does it does Most people spend their time trying to figure out how to pay their bills, how to save some money, how to make more money. And that is pretty much the driving, dominating force in everybody's consideration who's over the age of about 25. They begin to realize that <clears throat> financial empowerment is what makes a lot of things possible for us. And so we spend a whole lot of intellectual energy in that endeavor. What if Jesus came today at 2 o'clock. Notice how kind I am. I'm giving you time to have lunch. Who wants to go in the rapture hungry? I do because I'm always hungry. Anyway. What if Jesus came today at 2 o'clock? All the work you've done in your life, all the money you've tried to save, all the stuff you've tried to buy, all your little goodies and toys and tools and possessions, all your little stuff that you've tried to save, your little nest egg, and all, what would it all mean then? Absolutely nothing. So what's important in life? What's important in life? 
Let me close with this illustration. And I, I've done this before, but I want to do it this way today. I want, I want a bunch of you to just stand and come up to the front. You're not, you're not confessing sin or anything. I just, want, I just want bodies lined up across the front. So everybody that will, just come stand. Everybody that will, just come stand. I just want a single line of people. Turn around and face the congregation. And <clears throat> I just want you a, a solid line of people all the way across the front. Come on, if you, see a, if you see a space, just get up and come on. I want a solid line of people all the way across the front. Thank you so much for helping me do this because it's a powerful illustration. Got some space right here. I need two or three people. Come on. Come on, nobody's taking pictures. One more right here. All right, now watch this. I'm going to close with this. I want you to listen. This is Lance Garrett, still the greatest name for a country western singing star I've ever heard. Can you see it at the Grand Ole Opry? Ladies and gentlemen, Lance Garrett. Boy, if you did that this Friday night, the whole place would go crazy. Not even ever heard of him before. Lance Garrett, he's got to be good. <laughs> he said, maybe I need to try that. If you get a contract, bring us 10%. <laughs> Lance Garrett represents a million years of time. His wife, you just thought you were old, huh? His wife, Patsy, a million years of time. This dear lady, a million years of time. This dear lady, a million, a million. You get the idea. A million years per person. When you have lived a hundred years of your life, you'll still have 999,900 years of Lance Garrett to go. Think about that. And then when you get done with that, now you start over with another million years with Patsy. Now this is the kicker. How long is all this time add up to and it keeps going this line of people goes all the way around the world and out into the solar system and out into the universe and it never stops billions eons timeless ageless eternity forever listen to me now this is the whole crux of this whole message you and I are going to decide where we spend all these years and on and on into infinity in the first hundred years of Lance Garrett that's now. Because we're all going to live 100 years, give or take a few. Most of us less than that. Most of us about 80, 85 years. There's a few people that live over 100, but not many. We could be raptured. But that's the same thing in a way as dying. If you, if you, you know, miss the rapture, boy, ooh, you don't want to do that. So my question to you is, what's more important? What's your focus on? This 100 years of life now or all this eternity Forever and ever and ever. I decided when I was 15 years old, ironclad, hands down, no compromise, I understood this in my mind. And I decided there's no possible way. I can make a lot of mistakes in my life. You can make a lot of mistakes in your life. But the one mistake you can't make is this one. You can't miss the hundred-year decision. Because that's really what this life is all about. It's not about your, oh, if I, if I can just raise three good children, I'll be a success. No, you won't. You can raise three good children, leave them rich, and die and go to hell. Burn forever. All that matters is not your family or your health. I hear that all the time. All that matters is how many people love you. No, it's not. Adolf Hitler had people that loved him. That's not what matters. What matters is, is your relationship with God right? That's all that really matters. Is this first hundred years surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? Give these folks a round of appreciation as they go back to their seats. Thank you so much. Now I'm going to ask everybody in the house to bow your heads.
and close your eyes. You folks that are still going to wait till you get seated before you do that. <laughs> Don't you re- reenacting my pastor said. Oh, excuse me, Blaine. Seriously, bow your heads and close your eyes. We've had a lot of fun today, and this has been really neat, our family day. But I want to tell you, a very simple and childlike illustrated sermon can teach us eternal, powerhouse, life-altering truth. And that truth is, are you ready to step out into eternity? The rapture could happen any day. North Korea, this past week, launched a second missile that now they say is capable of reaching any city in the United States. If, and and of course China now, this past week, decided to do a big military display parade and hundreds of thousands of their soldiers marched in this parade. The Bible says that in the last days, an army of 200 million soldiers is going to march across the earth and destroy billions of people. The only nation that can do that is China. I'm telling you, we are close to the rapture. But even if we're not, we need to get our lives right with God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask one question today. Most of the time when you teach on David and Goliath, you know, you you have altar calls about facing giants and dealing with big problems in your life. And people come down to the altar and they cry and people pray for them because they need to conquer this giant they're facing. Nothing wrong with that. But I feel strongly impressed of the Lord to cause us to understand today that we're never going to have the power and the ability and the courage and the skill and the anointing and the favor to face and conquer giants if first we don't walk with God. So our relationship with Jesus Christ is really the most important thing in our lives. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you the most important question in your life. And you know, we can, we can in a way, in a way, a church seat can be one of the most dangerous places on the planet. Because in that church seat, if we're not careful, we can get comfortable. And if we get comfortable, then we start getting jaded. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Ah, uh, pastor's doing his, you know, close your eyes, bow your head, count to three thing again. We got to be so, so, so very careful that that doesn't happen to us. Because if we get jaded to this, we are lost. I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself, maybe in a way you never have before your whole life. And for once in your life, please put aside your fear of what somebody's going to think about you. Because this is way too important. There are a whole lot of things that are going on in the world that I can't even discuss here, that I know about, that most people don't. I'm telling you, we are approaching quickly the end of all things. And if you don't know Jesus Christ... You need to make that decision today. And I believe God brought you here to hear this message for exactly and expressly that purpose. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you right now, are you really living a Christian life? Is your heart surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? Notice I'm not asking you if you believe in God. The devil believes in God, James chapter 2 says, and even trembles with fear. The demons in hell tremble with fear. It's not about believing in God. not about coming to church. It's about repenting of sin. Is there sin in your life? A lot of people think it's okay just to say you believe in God and shake some preacher's hand and go on with your life and live it however you want. That's not what the Bible teaches. 
The Bible teaches that we ought to live a life surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So are you really living a Christian life, or does sin have a place in your life? The power of this question is you know the answer to it the moment I ask this question. And I'm going to ask you, this, this may be your once-in-a-lifetime chance to face the giant in your life, the giant of... I want to live life my way. The giant of, I don't know if I want to commit my way to the Lord. The, the giant of, oh, I'm just so afraid of, of raising my hand or lifting my eyes or committing myself to Christ because I, I don't have time to do all this stuff. Stop all that and just do one thing today. If there's sin in your life, repent of it and ask God to forgive you of it and receive Jesus Christ into your heart. That is all you need to concern yourself with right now. Nobody's trying to sign you up for anything. So I'm going to count to three. With every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you're here, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a board member. If you're here and you know that there's sin in your life, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your eyes and look at me with determination and courage. And don't check to see if anybody else is doing it. This is between you and God and nobody else. This is your once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I'm going to count to three. If there's sin in your life and you know it's there, I want you to lift your eyes and look right at me. One, two, three. Lift them up right now. I see yours and yours and yours, 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 yours. Praise God for you. Praise God. I see yours, sweetheart. I see yours and yours and yours back there. Praise God for your honesty. Praise God for your sincerity. There are a whole bunch of you today. I don't always ask this, but I just feel like I should today. All of, us, all of us imagine ourselves, if we'd been back in the day of Goliath, we'd like to think, surely I wouldn't have been afraid. Surely as a member of the army, I would have been willing to step out there. Well, here's your chance right now today. to make good on that. If you've ever seen the movie Braveheart, there's a moment when Mel Gibson, who's playing William Wallace, rides his horse in front of his troops. And they're saying, we don't want to fight the English. There are too many. We will run and we will live. And he says, yes, if you run, you will live for a while. And he said, and dying on your beds many years from now, would you give all the days from this day to that for one more chance to come back here and to prove to the English you may take away our lives, but you will not take away our freedom? It's one of the most powerful, moving speeches I've ever heard in movies. And in real life, the Scots that day defeated the English on the battlefield. All because of that challenge. I want to ask you, many years from now, what would you give to be able to come back here and walk out, take a stand for the kingdom of God and for your faith? So let's everybody in the house, everybody that's here, let's just stand to our feet right now. Everybody. And now those of you who lifted your eyes and looked at me and you said, Pastor, I'm going to be real with you. There's sin in my life. And today I'm deciding to repent of that sin and to, and to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm going to give you the chance of a lifetime. I'm going to give you the chance to go back to ancient Israel 
and to step out of the ranks and stand with King David as one who will face the giant of sin in your life. If you lifted your eyes and looked at me, I want to ask every single one of you who did on the count of three to step out of your seat. People will let you by. And I want you to get into the nearest aisle and come stand across the front of this church without fear, without hesitation, and without shame. Because everybody in this building loves you. So on the count of three, if you lifted your eyes, step out and come to the front. One, two, three. Come on right now, every one of you. Come on. Give God praise for them as they come. Come on. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That's right. Hallelujah. Now, this is what church is all about. Now, I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to preach on this, but I'm going to say this to you as we close. I do not understand churches that don't give opportunity for this to happen. I just don't. I don't get it, Big Dan, and you shouldn't either. We can go get encouragement by watching motivational videos, but this is where you get Jesus in your life. I want everybody here to stretch your hands in our direction. You guys and the whole church, I want to pray a prayer. This, there's not this specific prayer. I'm just, I'm just doing this. Something for you to hang your faith on. This prayer is not going to save you. It's your heart attitude that's going to do it. I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud behind me. And you guys up here at the front, I want you to mean this with every fiber of your being. Don't just pray it. Don't just repeat it. Mean these words. After me, just like this, everybody together. Heavenly Father, there's sin in my life. You see it. I repent. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean by your blood. I receive you now as my Savior and Lord. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you all my days. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now let's give God praise in the house. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't always do this, but I'm going to issue a challenge. I'm going to issue a challenge. You want to be a warrior for Jesus Christ? You want to be somebody that walk out of the ranks and stand with King David? I'm going to challenge every one of you to find somebody over the next two or three days, maybe even better today, find somebody and tell them, you know what I did today? Either I got saved for the first time or I rededicated my life to Christ today. I want you to do that. I want you to find somebody that you know and tell them because there's power in that witness. All right? Everybody, let's raise our hands. Father, I pray over these beautiful people. I pray that every decision that has been made today would be life-changing. I pray that this, although it's a a family day service and a a child-kid-oriented kind of presentation with a very simple message, I pray that the power of this is not lost on us. And I pray that every adult here understands the depth and the resonance of the Word of God. We're going to face those giants. With you, we can vanquish every one of them. But it all starts here with a commitment to Christ and a relationship with you. Keep us, Lord. Guard us and guide us. Post your angels around us. Let us live this life fearlessly and courageously for you. And I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.